Hark the bardic paladin Who sings and plays again He tells the tales of glory And weaves a magic story He'll join you at your table And ask you to share a fable Heroes of humble origin Villains who must be fought again No matter their skill or prowess The people in life are countless so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Episode 105 The Goblin's Guard. Welcome to Sidekicks and Sidequests, the Dungeons and Dragons podcast. That helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Krenwelgi, the Bardic Paladin, and I'll be joining Kevin Knott's table in the Levitating Platter. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Sidekicks and Side Quests the best unofficial Dungeons & Dragons podcast, in my humbly biased opinion. I have a wonderful guest lined up for you this week, but before we get to my mystery contestant, you know I gotta do it the first ad read from Plus One EXP. Tony Vicenda's the mastermind behind this mastercraft of beard bombs, game design, community building, the whole shebang. He's got beard bombs named after all the basic stats from D&D, so if you get yourself a can, you can apply it to your face and smell the sweet aroma and the sweet victory that comes along with increased strength, dexterity, charisma, and more. Beards and Beyond is the indie RPG that helped to launch this entire brand, but Tony has worked on several other games, including Repugnant, I Toaster, Down We Go, Through the Void, Vamp Nugula, and Brand Standing, you know, just to name a few. And if you support Plus One EXP, either by buying something on their website or by going to tonyplus1.itch.io, it all helps funnel into the Plus One Forward program, which seeks to support additional indie tabletop content creators to continue making awesome stuff. So I would highly encourage you to follow Tony and Plus One EXP on all of the socials, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and be sure to join the Discord server as well. In order to keep up with all the various projects that are being worked on, as well as upcoming interviews, one-shots, and actual plays of some of these other amazing indie TTRPGs. And if you don't mind, when you go to the website plus1exp.com and you see that affiliate code box, type in the code RANDOLPH at checkout when you're buying a Beard Bomb or a Beard RPG in order to get some savings on your purchase at no extra cost to you. Again, that code is RANDOLPH at checkout on the website plus1exp.com. All right, and without further ado, hello, mystery contestant. Would you care to introduce yourself, tell us who it is that you are, and what is it that you do? Hi, I'm Kevin. Uh, I'm a senior financial analyst at a large hospital in Chicago, and I'm also a father of three young boys, all six and under, so that will become a little bit more important later. (laughs) Yes. Awesome, yes. And you were someone from the community who reached out and uh, wanted to be on the podcast, is that correct? Yes. My brother-in-law works with you, and then he's like, oh, have you heard of uh, Sidekicks and Sidequests? I'm like, I didn't at first, and then I started listening to a few episodes, and it's like, this is pretty cool. This is um, great, because I'm trying to 
get back into DMing, and uh, that will come up a little bit later. But yeah, so this has been a great resource. Well, I'm glad to hear that. That is the aim that I strive for, is to make this a very resource-centric sort of a show, that there's lots of good, valuable knowledge here that everyone can use. Well, uh, continuing on with our questions, pretty easy one, but do you currently, or have you ever played D&D before? Yeah, and so this requires a little bit of explanation. So while I was in high school, I played in uh, 3.5, a little bit of 4, but I ended up not liking it and selling mm. all my books. Then college came and I just kind of took like a 10-year hiatus, mostly because I was too busy or I didn't really find people who wanted to play. And um, mm-hmm. strangely, like I didn't think it would be I'd be able to play for a long time because I got married and had kids. But then um, I thought about maybe I'll introduce my uh, five-year-old and now he's six. So we started playing Old School Essentials, which is a, a clone of... Uh, D&D basic from the 1980s so mm-hmm. it's really simple so my six-year-old can understand it and we actually play way more D&D than I ever did back in the wow. day that's awesome and what's that experience like of gaming with your kids for you oh it's great like it gives him a lot of opportunity to uh, use his imagination also it's really good for math too because like we homeschool and so he gets this opportunity to apply math in uh, a fun way so he's and i I don't know if anyone knows about like older versions of DD, but he can calculate thaco and do that all in his head and that's impressive uh yeah are we ready for him to be in charge of the space program to get us back to the moon (laughs) yeah I, i do wonder and and that actually is funny because he's like oh i love fantasy but can we play DD in space so i ended up ordering a sci-fi rpg uh it's a clone of Traveler. I don't know if, if you've ever heard of that either. It's it's like the first sci-fi one. I feel like I have heard of it, but I I don't have any experience playing it. Yeah, it's just one of those classic ones. I think it came out three years after D&D, and there's been many versions, but there's also been like a kind of an open source version called Cepheus Engine that's been, I wouldn't call it popular, but popular in a small like sci-fi RPG community. So we're going to start playing that as well. Okay. Curious, though, I wonder what your son's opinion on Spelljammer is. I know they redid it for a fifth edition. Ah, yeah. No, at some point, I think we'll try some fifth edition. I just, we haven't played fifth edition, me personally or him, just because I wanted to do more rules light D&D before we go into that. Before you dive into the deep end. I gotcha. Yeah, but he he has said, like, when can we play fifth edition? He's asked it a few times. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe he can listen to this podcast and get some ideas for some characters to stick in his games. Yeah, and actually he's, I went to work one day and he, I came back and he had like, he took the graph paper and he like made his own dungeon and it's like his own rules, like his own house rules, but Mm -hmm. it's pretty similar to BX D&D. So like it's, he remembers a lot of it. So that's awesome already dming i didn't even ask him to he just kind of did it on his own you just showed him the basics and then uh you took off running oh yeah awesome to hear well of course as you know this podcast is called psychics and psychquests so we always like to ask the questions about who happens to be your favorite npc whether they're from one of your rpgs or maybe a particular video game or if not maybe film literature history television etc and uh, why is this character your favorite before I even played pen and paper D&D, like my first experience with D&D was Baldur's Gate 2. 
Mm. And my favorite has got to be Minsk and Boo, just because they mm. give so much levity to a pretty serious game. Like they're just he's kind of goofy, like is he kind of insane? You're not really quite sure, but he talks mm-hmm. to this space hamster. <laughs> oh yeah, and they do make an appearance in Spelljammer, that's for sure. Oh, they do. Okay. With the 5e stuff, yeah. The the bestiary book, I think. Okay, I'll have to check it out one of these days. <laughs> yeah. But Minsk and Boo, classic, good choice, great choice, some might say. What's been one of your favorite side quests, either from RPG, video game, movie, film, television, etc.? And uh, why has the side quest been one of your favorites? This was really hard. So instead of picking one from a movie, I picked a minor event in history. Well, it, it's pretty serious, but it's like kind of a footnote because I'm also a history note. So I studied abroad in Lithuania, and there's this man that's not really well known here. His name's Sugihara. And uh, long story short, he was a diplomat in Lithuania right before the start of World War II. So Ooh. they posted him there to kind of keep an eye on Germany and the Soviet Union. He was given a really horrible situation in his lap. Like once the war started, a lot of Jews started running to neutral Lithuania and it didn't last. It wasn't neutral for very long. But Mm -hmm. in the meantime, I think it was just like a few months. He just ended up just disobeying orders and just writing transit visas for Jews to go to exit and go somewhere else. But with the intention that there was nowhere else to go, he just wanted to get them away from Nazi Germany. So he ended up writing enough visas for like 100,000 people. He's just doing it around the clock. Wow. And so then they went to Japan? Yeah. And then from there, other places, I'm not entirely sure, but just away. And he kind of did it against orders. Like, yeah, he just kind of did it out of his own initiative. And he, like, no one knows for sure, but he might have like gotten reprimanded for that too. But like, and he was kind of obscure for a long time until like, later in life before he died where uh, people recognized and which country was he an ambassador of imperial japan oh interesting okay so this is before like the formal axis powers alliance and stuff like that i think they were allied with germany he was just stationed in a neutral country and i'm trying to remember all the details but he just saw the situation where a lot of jews needed him and he just mm-hmm. did it like wow uh, i've never heard of this gentleman's story and this sounds fascinating yeah yeah there's a history guy uh youtube video on it it's like 15 minutes i could have you put it in the notes or something oh yeah well we could definitely put that in the show notes for sure yeah so more people can learn about this interesting real life person from history then maybe find a way to like uh you know recontextualize for a DD game perhaps yeah no it's there's a lot of intrigue there so like i mean he was put there to spy on two different countries so like yeah you could totally um you can use some ideas from that and then the final question that we like to ask here in the personal interview section what are you passionate about and why uh so i would say i have very eclectic tastes and interests like i would say they're so eclectic that i've always wondered if uh, i'm a unique data point when it comes to marketers like just (laughs) because i like some very random things so i would say my family we're like traditional Catholics, so we do have like a tendency to like Latin Mass, but we don't exclusively go there. So like my faith is very important to me. Mm-hmm. A totally different topic like I like is financial independence. So I'm mm-hmm. really into reading. You can just Google. There's something called FIRE. It's called Financial Independence Retire Early. It's like a kind of a big movement mm-hmm. on the internet, at least. 
but there's you could do an entire podcast on it but if you are <laughs> interested in money stuff it's really cool so just google fire and then uh, we love traveling and experiencing the world and different cultures and history and then uh, the last two things we love to bike and walk and live in vibrant cities so we actually live uh, like right outside of downtown chicago so we spend most of our time walking around and biking and seeing the city and just enjoying life in this uh, great city and um, of course uh, TTRPGs and board games in general are just great and um, they haven't been as prominent in my life until more recently again but I'm so glad that you know I can live as a gamer again awesome well it sounds like you're living the high life and uh, we'll carry that spirit and gratitude forward into a segment that I like to call NPC creation NPC Creation is brought to you by you, podcast audience, and our patrons from Patreon. So now is the time in the show where we give a shout out to our comfortable patrons and above with a loud hurrah. So to you, Katie Downey, Anson Jablinski, and my parents, we say cheers. So again, this is for patrons who donate $2 or more a month. And these folks are what are classified as my wealthy level patrons. So that means they also get to introduce an element of chance to the random tables that we have for NPC Creation which you might get to hear them used here today. So if you want to learn more and join our cool podcast Patreon community, check the show notes below, go to my podcast website, or just go directly to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and sidequests to find out more about our tiers and help us expand our operations in the levitating platter in this demiplane and worlds beyond. All right. So before we started the record button on the podcast, you said that you kind of wanted to do a hybrid, like you have a skeleton of an idea but there are some elements that you're up for totally randomizing is that correct yeah mostly like names so my idea is that so this isn't completely original like uh one of the prominent elements of old school D is like the frequent use of factions and dungeons so mm-hmm. you know there's like maybe other adventuring parties or like a group of monsters who hates another group of monsters and you kind of like play them off each other and I can't remember what dungeon it was, but there was like a group of like maybe gnolls or something that like they found a well and they started guarding it and they sell water to like other people in the dungeon. So I wanted to take that further. So the goblins are always the punching bag of like every dungeon. They all get slaughtered. So there was just a small group of goblin brothers and they're just tired of dying. Like they, they don't want to end up like uh, their fellow goblins. So, mm-hmm. and they kind of are a little more entrepreneurial. So, what they end up doing is they find a dungeon, they find a well, and they start monopolizing, like selling uh, a bucket of water at five gold pieces a bucket, uh, which is uh, outrageous. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of money. But yeah. they've also started doing other things, like uh, selling overpriced turkey legs and other things and uh not just to adventurers but monsters as well oh so it's like they've made like a safe zone within the dungeon that like everyone can kind of come to yeah so their area is like just kind of full of intrigue and there's kind of this unwritten rule that you just 
you leave your problems at the door, almost like if you've seen John Wick, like the Continental Hotel, like you can't mm-hmm. do anything there. So it's kind of a cross between that and like expensive concessions at Disney World. So <laughs> <laughs> now is this like a bar built up around a well or is it like the infancy of like a proper town or if you will, in the middle of like a dungeon complex? I imagine it more like kind of like a bar. Like, yeah, there, there's just like bar with like, supplies and uh, like a little canteen okay yeah not really quite a town uh i kind of wanted to to be on the little bit of edge of goofiness but not too unbelievable yeah because i mean this could be a world where it's just like all sorts of dungeons like the surface is too dangerous so everyone has to live in the dungeons and so it's like well these goblin brothers uh, i guess set up shop and you know they instead of being a feral and uh and mean and and violent about it they decided to think with their financial smarts yeah well okay so that's uh, that's a good premise okay and so i guess we'll work our way through the question since it sounds like we have like a trio of brothers maybe yeah (laughs) okay so do you have an idea on the names or are you needing to roll some dice and get some names yeah that's what that's where i wanted to roll it because i was like i don't know if you have a goblin table like there is some inspiration from the pathfinder goblins as well because i love the way they uh, re-imaged the goblin as well, so they're mm-hmm. being a little more, um, a little cute, having a little bit more personality. So okay, I have a d20 table, and you can just roll on it three times, and we can kind of see what names we get, and then figure out how they're all siblings, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, no, that that works for me. I'm pulling out my d20 right as we speak. Perfect. Um, let's see, I got uh, eight. Um, 14 and 18. Uh, so working our way down the list. So at eight, uh, your answer provided by previous guest, Matthew J. Hansen, Rosewald Daybrace. Number 14 provided by previous guest, Kevin Chenard, Finn Wheatley. And then the last one provided by previous guest, Sam Rusk, Aureli. So it looks like we've got like two of them that sound like they have like completely different surnames. And then one of them is just goes by Aureli, which is spelled A-R-I-L-I. Is Aureli a girl? Because maybe maybe it could be two brothers and a sister. I never thought about that. That could be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, Rosewald. Yeah, Rosewald sounds like a feminine name, at least to my personal opinion. Finn, yeah, Finn Wheatley. Yeah. Rosewald Daybrace, and then Aureli. Yeah. Cool. It's whatever you want. I mean, these are your characters, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, no, that, that sounds good. I'll go with it. Okay, and so they're cool with having all these different names then. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they, maybe they just... Some of them decided to adopt like more common-sounding names than the last yeah. one's like, no, I like my name how it is. I don't, need a, I don't need a silly name or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's possible, like, thinking of, like, since they do more business with lots of diverse group of people, like, maybe they didn't want to do goblin names, so... Mm. Yeah, they didn't want to scare them off when they were, uh, you know, sending uh, contract paperwork back and forth. Like, oh, Rosewald Daybrace? Sure, yeah, I'll, I'll agree to sell barrels of ale to them. Sure, no problem, or whatever. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Ancestry, we've talked about, is goblin. Like, straight up, like, regular goblin. Like, the kind of goblins you might find in uh, the Pathfinder version with the big bobbleheads. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, all right, so just three regular goblins. All right. And then let's see, the job or role in society. So it sounds like they're like tavern owners. Does each one specialize in a particular thing? Hmm. I haven't gotten that far yet, but that is a good thing to think about. 
Yeah, because you got Rosewald, you have Finn, and then you have Aureli. Yeah, maybe one's a cook. Uh, you know, one deals more with the money, and then one is like the enforcer, just kind of keeping order. And they probably have other goblins that are hired hands too, so that it's not just the, the three of them. Do you think it's like a whole diverse group of goblins? So you might have like some hobgoblins or bugbears in the mix too? Probably, yeah. Yeah, other humanoids. And then, um, yeah, I just wanted to keep these three the most prominent because they are they eventually want to uh, expand and franchise. Mm, of course, yeah, yeah. Okay, so if you had to kind of assign, so we said there was a cook, we said there was someone who ran the money, and then there was someone who was kind of like security. So of those three, who do you think does what? Aureli is that kind of the enforcer. Security and... Security and everything. Maybe okay. Finn's the cook. Finn, okay. Rosewald is the books and the money and all that stuff. Yeah. This is like a proper tavern then. So it's like there's room and board and drink and food. Maybe even some sort of like basic general supplies or bartering corner or something like that. Yeah, maybe maybe less of a tavern and more like i just imagine like uh if you've ever gone to a lot of developing countries where they just have uh like street food stands where just like plastic chairs on the side of this the road kind of thing except in a dungeon so okay um, just very basic like a very small building that they've constructed that somehow next to this well yeah because everyone needs water so yeah, and so Aureli's job is like to guard the well along with his team to make sure no one's doing anything funny. And then Finn is like inside the tiny building cooking food. And then uh, Rosewald kind of like walks around and like takes orders and holds on to the money and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. And then let's see, um, how old are our goblins? I don't know what their age ranges are, but they're in general just young and ambitious. Not like children, but they're like yeah. proper young adults, basically. Yeah, they just know they, they've they seen too many of their family and uh, clan folk get slaughtered by adventurers or, you know, orcs or other <laughs> other humanoids. Sure, yeah. Yeah, they the, they watched uh, one of their neighbors get uh, dissolved in a side of a gelatinous cube. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's describe the physical appearance of these siblings. So when you picture Rosewald Daybrace... Finn Wheatley and Aureli, what are you seeing based on what we know their jobs are? Hmm. So Rosewald, like, definitely has one of those like uh those coin belt things. You know, the ones where uh, I'm trying to think, almost like the I don't even know if you'd find that in a D and world. Like the you could if you wanted to. Yeah, like those um those arcade coin like. Oh, she thing. like depresses a button and like gold, silver, and copper pieces come out yeah. of it. It's oh, like yeah. a huge contraption, so that's like pretty hefty on her if she's a goblin. <laughs> yeah, and then um, Finn's carrying a you know frying pan, maybe some tongs, maybe they have a grill, and then mm, uh, a nice charcoal grill. Yeah, <laughs> and then Aureli's, uh I don't know what what's a good weapon for her, but she's tougher than her size looks. So. Aureli and Rosewald are the sisters, then, and Finn's the brother. Yeah, even though they're all like regular goblin size, she's kind of like. Aureli's the more beefy, muscular of the siblings. Yep. I was going to say, are you thinking like a scimitar or an axe or something like that? Uh, scimitar sounds good. Obviously, with Rosewald having to interact with customers and stuff, you know, aside from the big coin contraption she wears to dole out change and take money and stuff, is there like any way in how she dresses or appears? 
when she's like interacting with all these people. I wouldn't say like a very fancy dress, but like definitely like they're better dressed than you would think a goblin would be. Like, I don't know, like they took it off like a kid's toy or something like that. Yeah, I don't know where they would have found it, but they're well dressed by goblin standards. She's in like a kind of a serving dress, but you know, usually what do you see goblins wear? I don't know, like uh, rags or something. <laughs> mm, yeah. And then, of course, Finn probably looks like a, like I'd imagine, like a fry cook or something like that yeah. with a big, with a big chef's hat and like a big leather apron for his size. And just for some reason, I got the, the vision of him chomping on a huge cigar, although I don't know if that's something that Finn would necessarily do while he's cooking the food. <laughs> yeah. Maybe just eat cigars instead of smokes them. I don't know if you wanted to give him that kind of a quirk. And, and then, of course, anyone who listens to this episode can mix and match, you know, the details, however they need them to see fit in their game. So if you like the idea of a goblin that eats cigars rather than smoke cigars, then that is your choice to make. Yeah. No, you've definitely given me a lot of ideas because I had a small idea for popping around my head in the last couple of weeks, but I didn't really I, I wanted to wait to flesh this out on air. Sure. Well, that's what we're here to do. Provide a public service. And then if you had to describe each of them with three adjectives, what three adjectives would you use? Um, Triple the work. Oh, yeah. I've only thought about them collectively. They're all very determined to survive. So they're that's one of their big motivations. They're just survivors. Uh, mm-hmm. They're very clever. Like That's how they've gotten here. And they're entrepreneurial. So they, mm-hmm. they want to do something different than their fellow goblins. Okay. So they're determined to survive and they're entrepreneurial. Is there maybe like one adjective between the siblings that like uniquely describes each of them? Like, so, you know, like, okay, this is generally how they all all are. But then if you looked at Rosewald, you could tell like, ah, this is the adjective versus Finn versus Aureli. Rosewald's definitely the the miser. (laughs) She can tell if, you know, like uh, one of the other servers like swiped a coin or something or if um, anyone came up short or, you know, she watches the money closely for mm. the firm and uh um yeah you could definitely help me i'm oh, okay. not like uh, all a uh, half-baked concept of so far finn's interest you know with surviving and then also with being financially motivated is there a reason that he gravitated towards cooking the food was it just because he was the most comfortable doing it he has a love for food he wants to try and explore other foods or you know, maybe he was, uh, you know, convincing to his sisters to be like, look, you know, people, you know, they like water, but they also like to eat stuff, too. And it would make sense if we like sold food, too. Maybe uh, earlier on, he had found a, a cookbook and somehow managed to read it. So, like, OK, and, I mean, it, it would be hard for Goblin to go out to, like, you know, human and elven and dwarven civilization because they'd probably be killed. But mm-hmm. he, he kind of dreams of cooking, although that that might be hard, like cooking in maybe a a restaurant or something okay so he's kind of ambitious yeah for himself like he like yeah he's he's fine helping out his siblings but his pie in the sky dream is to one day i want to be out there cooking in the castles and stuff like that i want to have my own food cart in a major city kind of a thing yeah okay as far as aureli's concerned since you know she's the muscle she just kind of fell into it because she was the the toughest of the siblings and uh there was a need, so um, she's there to uh, to be of service. Yeah, who's who's doing it because they know it's the thing to do. 
they're especially built or tasked for the job. So for some reason, I'm getting like Luisa from Encanto vibes in my head when I'm picturing her really not that she's necessarily that big of a goblin, but maybe just like responsible. I don't know if responsible is the right one or just tough. Okay, so maybe like a placeholder value in the in the terms of like, okay, so she's the toughest. She knows it's like what she's made for. It's no, she knows like she can do the job the best as far as like guarding and, you know, maybe charismatic, um, depending on if she commands the respect of the other probably physically bigger goblins to like listen to her to want to guard this well of water and not, you know, just overtake them themselves, you know? Yeah. And then comes to the question of what's going to be a valuable item, piece of lore, secret, or ideal or concept that each of our characters ascribes to. If you know something, you can do it. Or, you know, we haven't rolled the dice in a while. If you just want to roll a bunch of D4s and D6s, we can uh, we can kind of figure out what some of these things are. Yeah, I actually uh, would love to uh, roll some. I, I know one ideal that I wanted to instill is that they're very tolerant of all creatures so they don't care as long as they bring in business that sounds like a rosewald sort of a thing she doesn't yeah. care where you come from what your lineage or ancestry is in her mind it's like it's the money that does the talking yep but yeah i, I can i can break out some dice because this it's always fun when you when you roll something random and it just gives you um, new ideas yeah for sure um, so you would roll a D4 for the category, and then you roll a D6 for the particular thing. I got a four. A four is an ideal or concept. So now you can roll a D6, and we'll figure out which of the siblings would ascribe to this idea. Three. Three. Okay. Uh, your answer was provided by previous guest, Travis Frederick. Faith. So of the siblings, which of them cares the most about faith? Maybe you could flesh out O'Reilly. Yeah, so like maybe she's really into like goblin honor culture, you know, might yeah. makes right and that kind of a thing. So she like takes the, the goblin pantheon seriously and that's maybe how she's able to command the respect of other goblins as far as like, you know, oh, she's, she's, she's smaller than us, but she's definitely more pious and devout. So therefore she commands more respect kind of a thing. Yeah, no, I like that. She's like going around quoting you know goblin scripture verses at them and they like when they're like acting out and then they snap to attention like oh you're right you're right really you're right i I don't know what i was thinking kind of a thing and that may be your third adjective is pious or something like that yeah no that that's actually good okay very cool and then let's see so then we have finn left i guess so d4 d6 okay uh two okay two would be a piece of lore and three Three. Aha, your answer was provided by our Patreon supporter, Goblin Katie, a.k.a. Katie Downey. According to this, Finn Wheatley knows the origin stories of all player character races. So maybe he found more books than just a cookbook. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Or he just listens to a lot of stories uh, while he's cooking food. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, if he found a cookbook, he probably found other books, too, and he's just... He's the most interested in the world because he wants, he has this pie in the sky dream of, uh, I don't know, working in a, a restaurant outside of, you know, goblin culture. But mm -hmm. it will be a tough one to <laughs> to do in most fantasy worlds. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or like I posited like a food truck in a major metropolis where they're a little yeah. more tolerant, if that is the default assumption of your game world. 
All right, well, now we come to the question of what is going to be a particular quest that these goblins would be willing to recruit or hire player characters to go and do? Is it going to be something that they're all collectively asking for? Or do you want to split it up into each one of the goblins has their own particular side quest? On top of the, like the neutral meeting place where you could probably find a lot of other quests from different factions that might be inhabiting the dungeon. Mm -hmm. uh, one in particular that I would give from them collectively is that there were some gnolls came. The goblins are neutral. and They let everyone come. If you dine and dash, that is uh, against the rules. So mm. they want you to track down some gnolls who, uh, you know, they just bought some turkey legs and um, water. And, well, they didn't buy it. That, that's why they, <laughs> they want you to go after them. Oh, interesting. So is it standard practice for you to get your food before you've paid? Or is Rosewald the kind to be like, no, you have to pay first before you get the food? It would definitely be uh, you get your food first. So uh, mm. just make the story work. So. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. Because there's, there's also an implied honor system when it comes to this place, especially when you have a really who's very pious. So she probably goes around, you know, barking periodically about like, you know, the rules of good conduct and stuff like that. And Rosewald's there obviously walking around and, you know, enforcing in her way by like, you know, making sure uh, the good quality uh, food and, and, and water gets delivered and promptly getting payment and stuff like that. I'm curious if you're going to leave it open to dungeon masters to figure out how this uh, particular thing happened. Like they somehow caused a distraction and that's how they were able to escape without paying kind of a thing. Yeah, no, um, I was thinking they, uh, flipped over a table or something and they just kind of walked out before anyone could react they threw a smoke bomb and disappeared <laughs> yeah i hadn't thought that far ahead but yeah i was okay i was gonna figure something out like that so the gnolls made a scene whether it was flipping a table throwing a smoke bomb saying hey look what's that over there or whatever they did they escaped they dined and dashed okay and so then all three siblings want you to go and undertake this mission okay so then what is going to be the reward uh, if the player characters are successful in navigating the dungeon complex and finding out where these gnolls are camped out or live? So that's the thing. The reward, it will seem like just like, wait, what? I went through all that trouble. So they actually just offer a free meal, which ordinarily would be an expensive uh, roast turkey leg and some free water. So it just feels really bad. It's not a lot of uh, reward because they probably don't have all that much money, but mm -hmm. it does have consequences down the line, oh, minor consequences in that like they want to franchise and, and I envision them actually being successful. So like it's the reward is goodwill of like having a good contact that that will show up in many dungeons. I think eventually there'll be good information brokers and um, having the goodwill of uh, these goblins is will actually be pretty useful in and of itself for the player characters. Okay. All right. So the immediate reward is, okay, you get a free meal and some water for doing your good deed. But later on in the campaign, as the story progresses, they'll find out that these goblins were able to franchise. And then suddenly these businesses are a little bit more friendly uh, towards the player characters because of the good deeds that they did. Yeah. And so if they refuse to, to help, it's like, there's no real immediate consequence but they don't have as much goodwill and as their business expands like they're just a little less friendly to the player characters mm, okay so either way the business does plan on expanding yeah this is just like a small thing because it's like a, kind of like a a little bit of an aside like, obviously it's not going to be the main 
quest of the the whole dungeon is just kind of this little little thing on the side just to give it a little bit of flavor and flair do the goblins perceive failure in different stages differently like do they only care about getting payment or do they care that these gnolls stay alive and that they're repeat customers uh i think they're more motivated well one the money it's probably not that much but just the honor Mm -hmm. they don't like that they were ripped off so it's probably more about their dignity i feel like it might color the flavor though because maybe you know up until this point the honor system hadn't been tested and so this is like the first big test and so depending on how player characters resolve it could be like oh like this place gets a fearsome reputation because did you hear what happened to the group of gnolls that you know dined and dashed they all got murdered and so everyone's like fearful when they go to this place even though it's supposed to be like friendly neutral ground like everyone's like real tense and stuff like that but if the player characters somehow resolve it peacefully maybe they trick them out of their money or something like that then maybe everyone's a little more maybe not happy-go-lucky but they're at least a little more relaxed and stuff like that where they know like hey man you got to play by the rules and you know they're just going to come get the money you know so it's just better and good manners to just pay versus like oh you better pay or else they're going to murder you if you don't pay for this turkey leg yeah that is true actually um i hadn't thought that far ahead but yeah they there's probably a good way to do it more peacefully there's the paragon way and there's the renegade way of resolving this side quest yeah all right well now that we've learned about these trio of siblings i think it's time we head into a random encounter all right and this segment would be brought to you by a sponsorship but at the time of this recording i don't have one So if you want to change that and have me promote your product, why don't you go ahead and send me an email at sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. I'd be happy to look over it, read your proposal, whether it's from a a rich noblewoman or eccentric lord. I'll be happy to promote that here. Of course, go ahead and give a shout out to Zencaster, which is the podcast app recording service that I'm using to do these episodes. And they do have a monetization program. And so I hope that the more of you listen and get traffic through that, that we can get some cool sponsorship deals through that. So maybe take that into consideration as well. But otherwise, just thank you so much for listening. And now back to the podcast. Okay, so this is the random encounter section where we get to do a little bit of a role play, a little bit of a vignette, if you will, with the characters. Since we have three characters, I don't expect you to do three voices uh, between all these characters. But I'm curious of what kind of scene are you interested in showcasing the siblings off in? Are they going to meet a podcast character? Is it just going to be like the siblings talking among themselves? Is it them stumbling upon the well for the very first time? What kind of scene are you interested in showcasing them in? I think a day in the life of their business. So you can uh, bring one of your characters in. and And, And maybe introduce the side quest? Yeah. All right. So of my podcast characters that I have, who are you interested in them meeting? Because, of course, we have Duncan, who's the recklessly brave adventurer for hire, happy-go-lucky fighter guy. We've got Sonia, the warrior woman who multiclassed into a uh, paladin. We've got Korak, the lawful evil arcane trickster roguish dwarf. We have Chrisley, the herbalist botanist wood elf druid who multiclassed to cleric. We have Orion, the astral elf illusionist wizard. And then we've also got Agape, who is the... Lilac-colored, tiefling, wild magic, feywild-leaning uh, sorcerer. 
And so, uh, and if none of those sound good, we can in- totally invent a brand new NPC as well. Uh, Duncan sounds good. Where we last left our hero, Duncan, he was finishing up on a whale of a tale of an adventure when he got the hint from Mirko, the tabaxi falconer, and he went off to go chase those stories uh, about the treasure and the overdue library book, the sea creatures attacking, all sorts of things. It was a whole ordeal. And, uh, you know, that tested Duncan's sea legs uh, for a good bit, and he's ready for some dry land once again. It's not that long before he hears a rumor in that town about like this really interesting dungeon complex out uh, a little bit away from the town. And so Duncan goes exploring as any adventurer would. And it's not too long as he's delving into this dungeon that he comes across like what he might consider like a very small wayside pit stop tavern watering hole sort of a thing like you would find on the surface. And so Duncan kind of uh, carefully approaches, and as he gets closer, what does he see? Ah, he's greeted by uh, Rosewald, he's, uh, and she says, Welcome to our humble spot. Uh, would you like some water, some turkey legs? Uh, uh, I know um, it can get wild out there in the dungeon, but uh, here you can rest up and before you get out there again. Oh, well, hello, hello there. Wow, thank you. Thank you so much for your, your kindness. Uh, I, I promise I was not reaching for my weapon. I've, uh, I've you know, uh, I've had to deal with goblins in the past, but this is a... Um... So Duncan's starting to trip over his words a little bit as he's trying to explain. He's just overwhelmed by the sudden approach of Rosewald and explaining. And so he's quickly trying to, like, catch himself to not say something stupid or foolish because he is chaotic good, after all. So sometimes his foot gets in his mouth. But we'll say he's quickly looking around for a sign and he's like, oh, oh, what, what, what is this lovely abode that I might uh, be able to uh, add to my uh, tales of adventure to say that I, that I stayed at? Ah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. We don't really even have a name yet, but we just want to serve all the denizens of uh, this, this underground subterranean dungeon. Like uh, whether you be adventurer or monster, everyone is welcome here. Wow. And you'll see Duncan like takes a second to like recognize her words and he's just like impressed. He's just like, well, that is that is really good to hear. I, you know, I've learned a lot about myself these last few adventures I've had. You know that the world is not exactly so black and white, but, you know, there's shades of gray and there's good people in the in the places you would least expect it. He looks over towards the well and maybe he sees a really kind of like menacing up a little bit, just reflexively. And so he stops speaking for a second to like but get adjusted. But he's like, yeah, yeah yes, you know, I, I will. Yeah, I will sit down and, and, uh, and I'm just happy to be back on dry land for a little bit. So as to sheepishly make his way to a table that's there provided. Is it particularly busy today? Yeah, you you actually see a very strange scene of just like fighter and full plate like not too far away from like an orc at a different table you know it's just like what what is going on it's just kind of this surreal like unwritten rule this is Mm -hmm. just neutral ground and uh you kind of just see everyone there maybe in a vampire oh the corner that would be kind of crazy but i haven't decided how unbelievable this would be yet but yeah maybe Mm. (laughs) since rosewald was speaking to him initially and taking his order he definitely say a, t- a turkey leg. I think would be very fine indeed. Um, you're not you're not familiar with Corvus, uh, uh, you know, the arbiter of the accords, uh, are you? 
I did have to go. Uh, I did have to go. Now I did have to fight some of your kin who worshipped the Gubliet, uh because they had they had taken over a, a temple to the Raven Queen. But you know that is that is in the past now. But um, he was a gentleman that was very concerned with uh, the balance between order and chaos. And 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 in my memory recesses, I'm, I'm just getting like a hint of that. So I'm wondering if you've ever ran across a tale about him. He's a Kenku fellow. He's one of the bird people. Uh, I, I can't say I have. We do get a lot of a lot of. Uh... Well, he's stuck at his place. He can't leave. That's kind of his rule. But uh, I was just curious because I saw the inspiration. I was I was just overwhelmed. Yeah. And Duncan will keep talking <laughs> nervously, and he's trying to get his foot out of his mouth. And so sometimes it, it takes him a little while to learn the lesson of like sometimes it's better to just not say anything. And just be quiet and observe and listen and, uh, you know, let others do the talking instead of you. You know, as he's thinking, like, uh, he sees over to Aureli and she's, like, tapping her scimitar against her uh, her hands. And she's like, if you want water, it's five gold pieces per per bucket. So she's kind of a gruff. She's, she's not very, like, charismatic. So she's just kind of the tough, tough person. She's standing over by the well. And does she have like a cadre of other bigger goblin noids that are with her? Yes. Yeah. Just uh, they're they're definitely the muscle in this uh, establishment. Uh, and then Duncan will just say, "Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I could I could do with a bucket." He'll look around as kind of like a way to like win his way with everyone. He'll say, "A round of bucket of waters for everyone. My treat." And so he like pulls out his coin pouch and he starts pulling out like a lot of gold pieces. <laughs> wow. Does that win over anybody else? Everyone's a little confused because uh, that doesn't happen. So it is neutral ground, but they, you know, everyone comes here to talk, but they're not necessarily trusting of each other. So, mm-hmm. but there's some people that seem appreciative of the, the gesture. I was going to say, I wonder if the vampire is offended that I bought him a bucket of water <laughs> since water is kind of against their thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the, 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 the nice imposing gentleman over there can have blood. I'll pay for his blood if that's what he wants. <laughs> Hopefully it's good beef blood. Yeah. So Duncan's going to wait for his turkey leg and, you know, paying for all the buckets of water to go with everyone. Do these knolls maybe enter the scene? Oh yes. There's a little disturbance by in the corner where, um, where you see a bunch of knolls and then suddenly a smoke bomb explodes. Wah! The knolls are no longer there. Duncan like jumps up from his table, like ready for an adventure. He hasn't pulled out any weapons yet, but he's like looking around. He calls over and he's like, is everyone okay? Does anyone need help? I'm helpful. I have the business card that says so. And he like reaches into a pouch to pull out one of his business cards to hold up. And that's when uh, Rosebald comes over and she's like yelling. She's like, they didn't pay. They ordered several turkey legs, which are 100 gold pieces each. (laughs) Duncan did not realize the tab he was going to be incurring today. And he'll be like, that's how much you charge for a turkey leg? Well, I mean, far be it for me to to tell people how to do their business. But I think you would do much better if you perhaps lowered some of your prices. Well, we're the only business in town. He looks around the dungeon area and you can see like cobwebs and old skeleton bones and all these other things and he's like all right all right point taken point taken well i can i can help do you do you need help do you need me to go do you need someone to go chase them down oh that would be perfect there are rules here that must be followed like we allow everyone to come whether you're evil good vampire goblin or human but we don't appreciate being disrespected Mm, of course yes you're trying to 
run an upstanding business. I, I, I get it. I see. I see. He looks around to the crowd gathered. Maybe Finn has poked his head out of the kitchen shack at this point because of the smoke bomb and the explosion and, and stuff like that. But he addresses the crowd like a heroic fantasy movie. And he's like, customers, friends, compatriots. And he like starts going into a monologue. I swear to you, by the name and the deeds that are printed on this business card, which he hands to Rosewald, which just says, you know, adventure for hire, no feat too daring, no mission too daunting, patron of the Crips and Creatures Stonecast. And he says, I swear that I will apprehend these no good dining dashers and I will set things right. He waits to see if the audience of people has any reaction to him. Or are they just like staring at him like, why are you talking like this? Yeah, they're they're just a little bit uh, confused at him. Like they don't often see anyone like that just having a giant monologue to, to no one in particular. So yeah, so Duncan will just be like, "You, Duncan, you really need to work better at reading the room. You really need to work better at reading the room." Okay. He holds up his arm, which has his crossbow contraption on it. He pulls out the walking cane that emanates a lightsaber-like glow, and he'll say, "Don't worry, I I will deal with these ruffians." And I will be back post haste. Onward! Before he starts dashing, he'll look over at Finn, who hasn't had much interaction with, but he'll say, keep the turkey leg hot. I will be back to eat it. Onward! And he dashes off, trying to follow the trail of where the gnolls disappeared off to. And scene. So there we go. (laughs) So what did you uh, think of your being in a random encounter with three NPCs to manage? It was difficult to try to manage them all, but uh, sure, yeah. It, and um, I loved thinking on my feet and just trying to figure it out. And you've obviously had uh, more than one of these rodeos. It's not your first time. <laughs> yeah, you know, with a hundred episodes, you kind of learn a thing or two. Yeah. So, uh, do you like that idea? Because I was going to ask before if they had a name for this place, but I kind of liked how Rosewald answered in character of like. Oh, we don't really have a name for this place. So it goes to give your game a more world building idea. Maybe after how this side quest plays out, they decide to come up with a name that's reflective with how the side quest resolved. Yeah, that that is a good idea. Yeah, so far it's pretty much a pop-up business. They didn't flesh everything out uh, much like me so far. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I like to think like if you handle it very honorably and maybe you get the gnolls to come back to pay themselves or you acquire the money, but you promise you didn't kill them like and you really, truly didn't kill them. You know, maybe there's like a name for the place that they affix like some sort of honorific um, that has to do with like nobility or being honorable or fair or something like that. But then if you're like more renegade and you just go slaughter a bunch of gnolls and come back with the money, then maybe it's something more, you know, violent sounding name, like the hack and slash or, or whatever they decide to call it. And based on if you resolve it negatively. Yeah. Things to think about. I'm leaning more towards the positive since uh, my PCs are probably going to be like my kids. (laughs) Oh yeah, sure. Sure. But you never know. Kids can surprise you with, Oh yeah. They want to beat up the gnolls. Maybe it's not a, (laughs) like a violent they're dead. They just beat them up really badly. Then they name the place black eye gnolls or something like that and it's like yeah because there's these gnolls that try to run out on us we gave them a bunch of black eyes there you go which almost sounds like the restaurant black eyed peas which you know (laughs) could also be a very fun play on words then finn wheatley decides to expand the menu and offer up black eyed peas for people to eat along with turkey legs all great ideas well that's what i do i give away great ideas for free so yeah 
<laughs> All right. But yeah, as we're starting to get into the final thoughts segment of the show, what did you think of your time on the podcast, your experience uh, with your 15 minutes of fame, as it were? Oh, yeah, this has been great. I was able to bring some ideas and just more fully flesh it out, just like talk it through with you and just like uh, it's been super helpful. And I also just I love just being able to interact with uh, role playing games again since I was probably gone from the hobby for like a decade. So you think this will be an approach that you'll use in the future when you're world building or inventing characters for your games, whether they're going to be for uh, friends your age or maybe perhaps your children? Yeah, no, I, I'm definitely going to like save some of the questions and just kind of think through them. Then I'll grab a friend and just be like, hey, like, let's try to. Uh, yeah, especially if someone's coming up with a character backstory, you might probe them uh, with some of these questions to kind of ask more details about like the person and their backstory. Uh, and then you can flesh out like a, a whole quest line with them and stuff like that. Well, thank you so much. Oh, of course. Yeah. And before, you know, we end every episode, we like to turn the microphone, the stage, the soapbox, the platform over to the guests. So if you want to be found online, because I do respect people's privacy, where can we find you online? Are there any other projects or things that you work on that you're passionate about that you want us to know about? Are there any causes or anything that you want us to be made aware of? I wish, uh, but Right now, I'm more of just like a, a busy dad and getting through life. And this is one thing that's brought a little bit more enjoyment back and a great way to spend time with my kids. If anyone wants to reach out about any of the topics that I mentioned I'm interested in, find me on Facebook or Telegram. My handle on Telegram is at uh, Phantom Watchdog, which for anyone who, well, no one would know this, but as an icebreaker, I was presented with the idea of like, what would your superhero name be? And so... That's the one I came up with. So it's okay. kind of like, it's kind of inspired by Danny Phantom. I don't know if you remember that. TV oh, yeah, yeah, Like yeah. probably like 15 years ago at this point. And a cross between that and there was, I don't remember the spell. There was a spell in third edition. I don't remember what it was called. It's like, you have like this dog that like, a magical dog that like keeps watch over your party if they're resting. And I, mm. the, the name escapes me right now, but it was kind of a mashup. That sounds like a really cool and useful spell. Maybe it's not in fifth. I, I, I imagined it was. I, I know it was not in second, but I'd have to look it up at some point. But there was a, a useful s spell where, you know, you just had this magical dog that can like, it's essentially a guard dog. That was a spell that uh, kept your party safe while the, no one could sneak up on you. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So anyways, that's at phantom-watchdog on Telegram. But I'm not really on Instagram or anything, or I don't really have a website but if anyone wants to reach out that's me well kevin it was awesome to have you on the podcast i'm glad you uh, reached out and wanted to be a guest on the show i'm glad we can make that happen and uh, can't wait to be speaking to you again in the future and making even more random npcs thank you it was a pleasure thank you for listening to this episode of sidekicks and sidequests be sure to subscribe to the podcast through apple podcast google play spotify and overcast or just feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. Visit our website, SidekicksAndSideQuest.com, for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. To stay up to date and interact via social media, you can follow the podcast on various social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit, by searching for SideKQPodcast. You can also find a very tiny community that's growing on Discord as well. 
I would love to talk D&D and showcase your fan art, stories of how you used our NPCs, discussions, and commentary. If you would like to hail the bard, simply send an email to sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. To help this show be the resource it's meant to be, I ask that you please leave a review on iTunes. Give it five stars, why don't you? And help spread the word and share our podcast with your friends and family. Whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, there's something here for everyone, and I want to hear about it. As mentioned in the NPC creation section of the show, I do in fact have a Patreon. If you love this podcast and you want to help support and expand our operations, I would appreciate it so much if you would go over to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and side quests. No matter your lifestyle expenses, we have wonderful rewards at every level of Patreon membership tier. We have modest, comfortable, wealthy, and aristocratic accommodations, and we welcome all patrons to the Levitating Platter. Sidekicks and Sidequests is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property of Wizards of the Coast, copyright Wizards of the Coast, LLC, common creative license, OGL, blah blah blah, all that good stuff. Thank you for your support. And I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four.